Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So there's an old legend about a first century rabbi who was at a dinner party, had several glasses of wine at the dinner party, the party went pretty late, he was walking home and he comes to a fork in the road, the fork in the road If he went to the right, would take him to his village. If he went to the left, would take him to a Roman fortress. And he gets to this fork in the road, and because of the several glasses of wine and the fact that it was dark out, instead of going toward his village, he went toward the Roman fortress. And he comes up to the fortress, and there's a huge wall and a gate, and on top of the wall was a Roman soldier. And the Roman soldier yells down to the rabbi, he says, Who are you? What are you doing here? The rabbi, as you probably experienced, had to think about these questions. And he paused. And the Roman soldier was growing impatient, and he yells out again, Who are you? What are you doing here? Again, the rabbi thought. And then finally, after a long silence, The rabbi says, yells up to the Roman soldier, he says, how much are they paying you? The Roman soldier had to think about this for a minute, like what is this guy at? Finally he answers, a hundred denarii. The rabbi thought about this and then he says, I will double that if you come to my house every morning and ask me those two questions. Who are you? What are you doing here? It's questions I know that we've all wrestled with. We've all asked ourselves those questions. Who am I and what am I doing here? Sometimes we put a little bit of pressure on making sure we find a powerful answer. I want to go back to the story that I read a little bit ago. And there's a character in there that we often overlook. We always focus on the calling of the disciples, Jesus coming and calling these fishermen. And immediately, especially in Mark, it's always immediately they followed him. There's one character that we never take time and focus on. Zebedee. Zebedee. I mean, here's here's how this story unfolds. Let's actually look at the verse here. Pop this on the screen. Immediately, Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I mean, picture that. So here's the way the day starts. Now, let's set up Zebedee a little bit. He says in the scripture that he has, he's left with his hired hands. So it means that, and sometimes we picture the disciples as these poor, lowly fishermen, but Zebedee's not poor. Zebedee's got hired hands. That's a big deal in the day of Jesus. He's got, he's got uh, industry going here in the fish market. He's, he's hired people. He's got his boys working with them. This is someone who's thriving and successful. They're doing the typical day's work. They're, they're ending the day mending their nets and getting them all set. And, and so Zebedee wakes up that day, and his life is pretty much intact, He's got his plan, his hopes, and his dreams. He's probably a little bit older. He has some adult sons, so he might be thinking about retirement. 
might be thinking about kicking back. He's going to hand the family business, who knows how many generations, he's going to hand it over to James and John. He's proud of his boys. He's running this family business, and it's going to continue on, and here's the way life's going to go. He's probably tired of getting up every morning and doing the daily work, sun up till sundown. He's finally at the point where he's going to kick back, crack open whatever he cracks open, and let his boys do the work. Then comes this character named Jesus. Comes up, and they would have heard of Jesus. Small towns, Jesus has already done some stuff that would have gotten around, word would have spread. And so Jesus appears on the scene and says, come, follow me. Immediately they drop, without thinking about it, they drop their nets and walk away. And it says they left Zebedee in the boat. Do you ever picture Zebedee? Just kind of standing there going, what the heck? <laughs> What's going on here? You, I, everything that I thought was going to happen is now different. My boys are gone. And so what's Zebedee's thoughts during all this? Who am I? Zebedee would have asked. What am I doing here? Watch as his boys get called with this crystal clear calling, and he's left to run the family business. Now, here's another thought. For the next three years, the disciples followed Jesus, but they, most of the time, were still in the region, the Galilee region there, and so they wouldn't have been that far. They traveled all these different villages, but they were close enough that for the next three years, I'm sure James and John came home for dinner. Right? And maybe even they invited Jesus, and he might have joined them at some time. So they have this family dinner, and I picture Zebedee. Was he passive-aggressive? Did he bring up things? He, I, I think we all know that sometimes our parents can do this, right? Like, they can drop little zingers that kind of get you. It's kind of undercover little jabs. Like, what... Would Zebedee have said something like, oh, how's the money out there in disciple land? Huh? Huh? Don't worry about me. I'm just here doing the family business. Just getting up still at 80 years old fishing. I mean, would he have said things like that? And where does Zebedee find his calling? Who is he and what is he doing here? Because his sons, as I said, have this crystal clear calling. Now, we talk about in the sermon series is transitions. Some of you know, I, I know I've just this past year, past couple years, experienced transitions of my boys both now in school and uh, one's at a welding institute, the other's at Columbus State, and so there's transitions of life unfolding. But, but as you know, you've planned for that. All your life, you knew this was going to happen, but think of Zebedee. His transition happens, bang, immediately, as Mark says. His life is different, and he's forced to ask, who am I? What am I doing here? We always, as Christians, talk about finding our purpose. But let me ask this. Isn't there pressure in always finding purpose? There is pressure in purpose. 
Now, purpose can be a great thing, and I don't want to undersell it. If you've got a purpose and a calling, that's a gift. That's a great thing. But what happens if your calling isn't clear? I mean, as Christians, we love to lift up books that talk about purpose. There was a, a whole humongous industry of the purpose-driven church, the purpose-driven life. And we love to lift up Bible studies that help us find our purpose. And that can be great. But what if our calling isn't clear? What if, like Zebedee, some people are called to simply stay in the boat? Not everyone's called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, even though we like to say that we are. Let me tell you another story from, uh, it happens a few chapters later. Jesus takes his disciples to the other side of the lake, to the other side of, of the lake where the Gerasenes were. So this is, this is a whole different world where good Jewish men wouldn't wander, but they do. They go to the other side of the lake, and there the very first person they encounter is the famous Gerasene demoniac. This guy so possessed that he lives among the unclean tombs. And Jesus approaches him. Jesus heals this man. And immediately, Mark would say, heals this crazy possessed individual. And this individual then, realizing he's been set free of this bondage of possession, gets down on his hands and knees and begs Jesus, let me follow you. Let me come with you. And here's what Jesus says. Put this up on the screen. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home. Picture that. Jesus says, nope, nope, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy God has shown you. So apparently, not everyone's called to follow Jesus. <laughs> this person's told to go home. Go home and live the life that you should have been living all along. Go home, be with your, your friends and your family, but just tell them, God is good. God is good. Think about that. When I was in clinical pastoral education, CPE, which is when you're in seminary, you work for a while, you guys know this, you work for a while in a hospital setting or some sort of uh, clinical setting where you're dealing with a lot of really hard things that people have been through. I was, I was uh, working at the James Cancer Hospital and also OSU, and so I went from sitting with cancer patients all day long to sitting with people who'd been in traffic accidents, and it was one thing after, it was super hard for a whole summer doing this. And then at the end of every day, you would sit with the chaplain of the hospital and you'd debrief as a group. You'd talk about your, your conversations and what did you say, how could you have said something different, blah, 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 and they were very important conversations, but man, that was hard work all day long. And I, I, what we would often talk about is when people have been through something tragic, like a car accident or survived cancer, they often have this comment, God has saved me for a reason. And that's important. 
And, and you certainly want to allow people to be there. If, if that's what they're feeling, you allow them to feel that way. But sometimes that can also put on the pressure of finding purpose. What is my purpose? God must have saved me for a reason. Now, I remember we, we debriefed this one day, and the chaplain who I really respected, he seemed to exude wisdom. He said he remembers having that conversation with someone who'd been in a tragic accident, they survive and they say this comment, God has saved me for a reason. I must have a purpose. And the chaplain said to that person, maybe God saved you so that you could simply live your life. Maybe God saved you so that you can simply live your life. I think sometimes this pressure of purpose it makes it hard for those who haven't discovered a certain calling. I mean, why is it that we always think that the sacred is somewhere else? We do. We're always pursuing the sacred. Where is it that I'm supposed to go and be? And that can be okay. But what if sometimes we realize that the sacred is where we already are? Just living our lives. Let's go back to Zebedee. So Zebedee uh, stayed doing the family business, stayed doing what he'd always done. His life changed. He had to figure out, okay, in this new situation, I, the future isn't what it was going to be, but here's what it is now. And I, I like to picture, even though I, I talked about the passive-aggressive dinner, I like to picture that at some point Zebedee, and I know this is just me brainstorming and thinking and creating a part of this story that it doesn't say in scripture, but I like to think that Zebedee at some point found his purpose in supporting his boys. What if he found his purpose and he realized, okay, because disciples, and it says this elsewhere, they relied on the income of others to support them, to, to encourage them along the way, and so what if Zebedee kept running the family business so that he could provide for his boys and the people they hung out with? And what if one day, because this is going to be a tricky thing for him to continue to follow his boys. For three years, they were Jesus' disciples, but then somewhere along the way, James gets murdered, and John leaves and goes off to Jerusalem to preach the gospel, and then to Ephesus, and some think even Rome. And so I like to think that somewhere along the way they did come for a dinner and maybe James and John went to bed early and Jesus was sitting there with Zebedee. And Jesus turns to Zebedee and says, thank you. Thank you for all you've done to support and encourage them. Now here's a really cool thing. Do you know what the word Zebedee means? My gift. My gift. There's a couple other characters as I close here, a couple other characters in, Bi in the Bible that we don't lift up as these prime examples, but I love it because there are these kind of characters scattered throughout the scriptures. There's a Roman soldier who's standing at the foot of Jesus' cross when he's crucified, and as soon as Jesus dies, guess who gets to be the first to announce the gospel message? The Roman soldier who's there just doing his daily work stands there and says, surely... This is the Son of God. It's a guy that just showed up to work that day. 
gets to announce the good news. There's another story in the book of Acts. You've heard of Judas, but that's not the same Judas. There's another Judas in the book of Acts when Paul has his conversion where he's, he's zapped and blinded. They carry him then to the nearest town and they deposit him on the couch of a guy named Judas. <laughs> Judas, picture this. He's just living his life and becomes part of the ongoing story of God unfolding. For three days, he cared for this man named Paul on his couch. This guy probably had no sense of calling, just living his life, but yet God unfolded God's story right in front of him. What if, for all of us, instead of always looking for the sacred somewhere else, what if we just find it? in the lives we're already living. I mean, we may not all find our clear purpose, but that doesn't mean that God won't unfold God's purpose in our lives, whether we acknowledge it, realize it, are aware of it or not.